It's another Saturday morning in the summertime. It's time for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning to you, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this fine morning? I am so good today. Thank you for asking. I hope you are as well and all the good folks at Haskell's. What can uh, what can we hear from you this morning? Well, this morning I thought I'd talk a little bit about my one of my favorite grape types, which is Pinot Noir. What can we hear from you this morning? Well, this morning I thought I'd talk a little bit about my one of my favorite grape types, which is Pinot Noir, with particular emphasis on the, the state of Oregon. You know, Pinot Noir is a wonderfully versatile wine, and even if you uh, didn't believe the movie Sideways, there were a few elements of truth in that. Uh, it's such a versatile wine. You know, Pinot Noir, how many wines would go with salmon and also would go with steak on the grill? Uh, red wines. Be very, very few that go very, extremely well with both of those, and Pinot Noir does that. It's a wonderful grape type, and uh, we are just beginning to flex our muscles in this country with Pinot Noir. You know, the Pinot Noir is from Burgundy. That's an area a little to the south and uh, west, if you will, of Paris. And at great length, and I firmly believe some of the greatest white wines and red wines in the entire world come from Burgundy. Uh, Chardonnay is the principal uh, grape type for white wines, and Pinot Noir is the principal grape type for red wines. And they've been doing it for centuries. Their wines for centuries have been regarded as some of the finest in the world, and it still is. However, these new areas are uh, beginning to give them a little run for their money. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, a WAG friend of mine who happens to be a really wonderful wine writer and a wine critic, and he writes for all kinds of publications from the New York Times on down. And he said, you know, in the 20 to $40 range, maybe Oregon has the finest Pinot Noir in the world. And I thought a minute about that, and I thought, you know, he might have a point there. It really is remarkable uh, what they have done in Oregon uh, with Pinot Noir. Uh, when I first went to Oregon, it was at the invitation of a friend who had a vineyard called Sokol Blosser, and they were brand new. The vineyard was only a few years old. This was in the early 70s. It was just remarkable. Uh, Oregon and McVinville, which is kind of the main uh, town, if you will, in the Willamette Valley, which produces most of the best wine that comes out of Oregon comes from the Willamette Valley. As a matter of fact, it's a huge valley containing about 70% of the population of Oregon, and it runs the length of the Willamette River. And uh, it was all berry stands. You didn't see any grapevines at all. I think there were five vineyards, designated vineyards, in the whole state of Oregon, and we went and saw three of them. Well, uh, I thought, well, I'll come back here sometime. Well, I did come back. It took me a few years later to come back. Uh, it was for the first Pinot Noir Festival in 19, I think it was 85 or 6, something like that. Anyhow, it was early on, and uh, the festival, you slept in dorm rooms at McMinnville College because they didn't have any hotels there. And it was really very primitive, and yet all of the conversations and the people were just remarkable. All they were doing was talking about uh, Pinot Noir and how 
uh, great it could be, etc. And mind you, this is the first one. There were a lot of free spirit kind of hippie types there, uh, just uh, knocking around, etc. Well, again, fast forward today, you go to that Pinot Noir festival, and people come from all over the world, from China, from England, uh, and principally uh, places like Burgundy, where they're looking for new ideas. And, and as a matter of fact, the whole wine world was shocked back in the uh, early 80s when Domaine Druon, which is a big negociant and a property owner in Burgundy, came to Oregon and bought some uh, land to put a vineyard. I mean, it was just shocking that uh, a vineyard of that reputation, Druid, would think of uh, growing Pinot Noir grapes in another country, and then uh, that country pick up Oregon, the state of Oregon. And it was very interesting. And along those same lines, a little while later, a good friend of mine, Ken Evanstead, called me and he said he was about to buy some land out in Oregon. Would I like to pop out there? Well, I went out and wandered through his Tubi Vineyards, which was raw land, which he uh, bought, was adjacent to Druan's. I think three of the people in our party got poison oak. The land was so rough and tumble. And But Ken pursued, and uh, he hired Ken Wright, who has vineyards of his own now, but at the time was an up-and-coming winemaker, and Ken Evanstead, uh, developed Domain Serene, and uh, it's a wonderful property and maybe one of the finest in Oregon. Uh, it certainly uh, is a beautiful facility he's built there, and more important than a beautiful facility, he produced beautiful wines. Ken died a couple of years ago, but uh, he was a real pioneer and thought very, very highly of uh, the Willamette Valley and of Oregon wines and, and produced a lot of beautiful wines at the Main Serene, which always ranks very highly in all of the international tastings on wine. It's just absolutely terrific uh, what he's done there with that particular property. Uh, and the Main Serene drew on the same thing. Robert Duran, who came out there and bought it, was followed by his daughter, Veronique, who's now followed by her children, the third generation are running it. It is uh, just another great property, good Pinot Noir, uh, etc. But uh, I remember that first Pinot Noir festival. It was a revelation to me, really, frankly. It's always held the end of July, and much like uh, this July, it was very hot out there. Of course, they said it never gets this hot. And the poor folks were in those college dorms. They, of course, were not air-conditioned. And fans were at a premium. You had to go into Portland to buy a fan if you wanted one. Uh, it was just a very primitive thing. However, the last night of the festival, Saturday night, they did a salmon bake. And here they take these huge logs and build these fire pits that are, oh, 40, 50 feet long and put on them uh, saplings of alders or striplings, if you will, of alder tree uh, through the whole salmon fillet and kind of angle them over that fire. And they let that fire burn down to just cold. So when you're done, you get a kind of a medium rare salmon and it has uh, that flavor of cedar to it because that's what they're burning, cedar logs. And I'm telling you, then you try that with a Pinot Noir, 
Well, you would have thought you died and went to heaven. It was so good. It was just a, an amazing experience. And I thought it, they put all these different growers, put their Pinot Noirs on the table. And I tasted them all, and I thought they all go well with salmon. This is just remarkable. And uh, to this day, whenever anybody's having salmon, I tell them, first, a Pinot Noir, if that isn't their particular like, you can find others, but it's a natural. And that that valley, that Willamette Valley, was called the land of milk and honey. The first vineyard there was in 1840, but of course, like the rest of the country, it got knocked out of the box with prohibition, uh, that experiment in this country that didn't really work very well. And uh, the next vineyard really didn't come along till 1971. So the Oregon wine business is relatively young, excuse me, relatively new. Uh, It is just a marvelous, marvelous area, and it's wonderful. In our lifetime, we're able to see this huge growth in this varietal that heretofore was confined to California, and the best ones from California came from generally the Russian River Valley in Sonoma. But uh, that's improving, too. There, By leaps and bounds, Pinot Noir is being developed everywhere. And that, as I said, when I went to that very first Pinot Noir festival, I was so impressed to be able to meet and talk with people from Chile and New Zealand and Australia, etc., many of which I knew already, of course, but they came there to exchange ideas on this grape type, which is difficult to grow, but it's... Uh, Reward you handsomely if you get a good one. And there are a lot of good ones out there today. It's remarkable to me how much wonderful Pinot Noir is being produced, particularly in our country, California as well as Oregon. Uh, Oregon is an interesting one. You know, there's, uh, you're probably all familiar with uh, a wine called Naomi. It's advertised heavily, and they're selling about a million cases a year now in the United States, and it was developed by my pal Charlie Wagner's grandson, Joseph Wagner. And Joseph Wagner was smart young man that he is, sold that uh, brand, only the brand, mind you, no bricks, mortar, anything but the brand, to uh, Constellation, a big uh, conglomerate of wines and beers, etc., for $310 million. Then he took that $310 million and is investing it in Pinot Noir. And he's got to be the king of Pinot Noir in this country, young Joe Wagner. And he has a wine from uh, Willamette called Elowen, the light. Uh, And it is a wonderful Pinot Noir. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, he's trying to replace, obviously, that Miyamai. And they changed the recipe a little bit. I don't think that Nehemiah is as good as it was when he made it, but it's still a very popular wine, obviously, by selling a million cases. And But if you want to try something interesting, try Joe Wagner's Elowan, E-L-O-A-N, which is a Pinot Noir that he's growing in Oregon, and he's taking that money and putting it into California Pinot Noirs as well as Oregon. He's really a, a bold adventuresome winemaker and he's doing wonderful things and like I say is particularly uh, in California he's making Pinot Noir just pop if you will and, and as I said I love Pinot Noir I'm 
an old Burgundian at heart, and they make wonderful, wonderful wines in all of Burgundy. It's hard to find a bad Pinot Noir. You can do that anywhere, of course, find a bad bottle of wine. But it's really hard to find a bad one. And the interesting thing about Oregon is how relatively new it is. And it's a real comer. As I said, there were only four or five vineyards in the entire state when I made my first visit to Oregon. Today there's almost a thousand different vineyards where they're licensed producers of table wine. And it's a remarkable growth. Uh, and, And yet... Every one of them is, of course, very proud of their product, etc. And, uh, you know, you get that many, there's bound to be a lot of good ones. And whether they come from Walla Walla, the Columbia Gorge, Columbia Valley, etc., they're all very interesting. But the really best, uh, in my opinion, was discovered, of course, by my friend Ken Evanstead and Robert Durand, and that is the Willamette Valley. And again, there, my first visit when I went out to see the site Ken Evanstead had chosen, all that was along the highway were berry stands because they were, there was a huge berry production area around uh, the town of McMinnville. Today, it's all vineyards. And it's like being in Napa Valley 75, 80 years ago. And it's just wonderful. If you get an opportunity, it's worth visiting. There's good restaurants. Now you don't have to stay in a hotel dorm room. There's lots of hotels. And there's wonderful wines to taste uh, up and down the valley. And even uh, if you get a chance to go to that McMinnville Festival, it, that's worth going to, even for a layperson. Uh, like I say, if, if for nothing else, the salmon. I'll never forget that salmon. It was the best I ever had. And to discover that Pinot Noir, went, every Pinot Noir went with it, was a real uh, just lightning bolt experience for me. Fantastic. Well, again, I'd love to do that myself someday, but uh, let's do this instead right now. Let's head to Haskell's, and you can explore a lot of Pinot Noir at Haskell's. You know, the folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. And they love to pair wine with food. And, of course, right now is a wonderful time to stop into Haskell's because we have our summer sale going on. We have over 120 different BOGOs that are available. That's where you buy one, get the second one at no charge at all. And believe me, there's loads of them in there, including some Willamette Valley vineyards, uh, as well as California Pinot Noirs. One of my favorite is very modestly priced. It's called Provenera. And it's under $13 a bottle, so you could try that, too. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. Of course, there's a Haskell's in Excelsior, right at the Excelsior dock. There's a Haskell's in Faribault, Maple Grove, super seller, not to be missed. Huge selection up there. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, at Haskell's, we do deliver. Fantastic, Jack. Let's do this again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. And I sh- we do deliver. Fantastic, Jack. Let's do this again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. And I should mention uh, that yeah. on July 17th, We have our 17% discount on wines that aren't on sale. You can create your own sale on your own favorite wine. Fantastic. We'll talk more about that next week, too. All right, thanks, Jack. Let's talk next week. Indeed.
Jack Farrell from Haskell.